I love this book because it is the good news of Jesus Christ. We're familiar with John 3.16, for God so loved the world. That is, that's where we get our theme from. He was driven. Why did he come? Why did he die? Why did he sacrifice? Say why? Because he was driven. He was motivated. He was filled with compassion to meet our greatest need. We have the cross that you can't walk into a Christian atmosphere anywhere, either in a home or on the front of a Bible or anywhere, and not have that picture. And it's the very symbol of what we have of salvation and life change. You see that, you say, well, there's hope. Man, that's what God did for me. I'm so thankful for the cross. I'm thankful for what it represents. I'm thankful for what I got from it. Jesus spent his life not just dying on the cross, but leading up to it, he lived the life that shook mankind. He came to demonstrate the love of God, his love for people, and from the beginning of his ministry, it was going to the blind and going to the sick and going to the lepers and going to the cast out and going to those that were sick and going to the ones that were beyond hope. I think of this story of even the woman with the issue of blood, and, and, and I'm not trying to highlight her over anybody else, but I think about that story of how the Bible says when she had spent all and had gone to all the physicians, she had nothing left. There was nowhere else to go, nothing else to spend, and Jesus stepped into her life and brought healing to her life, and from that moment, she walked away changed forever. It's powerful. Man, we love it. Let me tell you, so did they. They loved it. The Bible begins to tell us these stories about crowds chasing after Jesus Christ. And you say, man, why doesn't this story end like that? I guess they were falling in love with what Jesus was doing and who he was. We, We get to this thing as the story begins to spread and the ministry of God begins to spread. Look with me in John chapter 6 verse 2, and great multitudes followed him. You say, wow, Pastor Tony, that's, man, when we get to the cross, we don't find great multitudes following Jesus. No, we don't. When he's in the garden, we don't find great multitudes praying with him. When he ascends up into heaven, we don't find, during the time of persecution, we don't find great multitudes there either. But let me tell you, we find great multitudes here. It's awesome. Great multitudes were following because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. See, the thing is, everybody has a need. It's not uncommon. You can imagine as everybody's going around and saying, man, you got a sore foot. You need to get to Jesus. You've got that problem. You need to get to Jesus. You're, you're, you're lame. You, you can't see. You've got this issue. You need money, whatever. You need to get to Jesus. Man, the crowds begin to gather. This story right here is very familiar uh, the, the, the Bible, they begin to flock to him. Verse 5, and when Jesus lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company come on him. And he saith unto Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? Man, you've you got to feed the people. Man, they're, they're here for the healing. And man, now they're getting food. And they, they love this aspect of Jesus. Now, you guys know the story. This is the story of the, the feeding of the 5,000. Now, that's what's mentioned in the Bible. But that was just the men not counting women and children. So it's probably like more like the feeding of 15,000. We, we, we just guess at what was there. They find a young boy. He has five loaves and two small fish. They, 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 he gives up his lunch. They feed the multitude. They have leftovers. They were filled. The Bible says they ate till they were filled. It's like being at a buffet. You know what I'm saying? You, you say, I'm done. And then you go back up three more times. They ate till they were filled. So this was probably a Baptist group, okay? The first Baptist church in the Bible. You're reading of it. 
And Jesus took the loaves, in verse 11, look, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he began giving thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise the fishes as much as they would. This potluck, I mean, this is, this is like man alive. I didn't know what this following Jesus stuff was about. This is pretty sweet. People love this, and they love Jesus. Jesus tells the disciples to go to the other side of the sea. And this is all in the same chapter. They go to the other side of the sea. There's a great storm that arises. And in the midst of that great storm, here comes Jesus walking on the water. It was a great story. Peace be still. Peter, go to the other side. They land on the other side of it. But this is the part that we often don't look at of this passage, this whole story. Look at verse 24. And I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit of what's going on. And when the people therefore saw Jesus was not there, neither did his disciples they also took shipping. They, they, they got in ships. They, they're like, hey, guys, where'd the bread go? It's like Jesus went to the other side. Load up the boats. It's time to go. Let's go find Jesus. And they came to confirm seeking Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said, Rabbi, when camest thou either? Lord, why did you leave us? We love this ministry. We love this church. This whole follow Jesus thing, man, it is the bomb. I, I, I didn't know Jesus was so good. I didn't know following Jesus was so good. Don't leave us behind. We'll get in a boat and follow you anywhere, dude. We love this thing. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto thee, I say unto you, ye seek me. Not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Jesus called them out. Jesus knew their heart. Jesus saw their motive. They followed Jesus and attended because of what they got out of it. I want you guys to really zone in on this as a church this morning, if you will. They followed Jesus for the benefits. Following Jesus... I, I, I picture it like this. Now, they didn't actually do this. It's like, man, I love Jesus. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Isn't he wonderful? Let's sing. Is he worthy? Oh, yeah. This is like, where'd Jesus go? You know, it's like, feed us, feed us. And you say, that, that, that's funny, but no, Jesus knew their hearts. It was, it was, see, your actions speak louder than your words. It, that, that's just the reality of it. It's, it's, they wanted the blessings. They wanted healing. They wanted help. They wanted the food. They wanted all these. Now I'm going to stop and just make this very clear. Did Jesus give them all these things? Yes. We, we, we talk about all the time that God is good and God is faithful and God supplies our needs and God takes care of us and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Is all that true? Absolutely. Now I don't want anybody coming out of here saying that God's not good or God doesn't bless. That's all true. Well, let me tell you what we see in this, I really believe, is still happening today. We have churches and people that will follow Jesus for what they get out of it, not what God's called us to. We, we love, remember the, the love that we talked about, I don't have the boards and we're still in the same thing, about the, the love that we talked about, Eros love and Phileo love and those types of things, is based on feelings. They would get around Jesus and they would be like, oh, daddy, I'm so hungry. I am too, son, but we can't get it. We're, we're going to wait for the healing and see what kind of show Jesus does for us today and, and all this other stuff. And then so they're there and the food comes around and says, oh, this is so great. Didn't you love this? I just love that service today. It was so good. And it made me feel good. Oh, I, I, I loved it when I walk out edified. I love being blessed. I just love it. I just, I, I can't get enough of that. Made me feel better. 
Do you notice how often our prayer is bless me, Lord, rather than change me, Lord? Jesus was bothered by this, verse 27, John 6, 27, labor not for the meat which perish. So, man, you guys put so much work into this. He showed up, and at the word labor, he says, man, after you got in the boat, you followed me over, you're getting over there, and they're coming in there. You can imagine they're walking in saying, where's this revival at, man? I was just like, you hungry? I'm hungry too. Let's go find you. You know, that's literally what's going on here. I know I'm trying to be, uh, you know, making light of this and stuff, but I'm telling the reality of what's going on in this passage when Jesus calls him out, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting. Jesus said, let me, let me tell you what I'm actually about. And I'm glad that your bellies were filled. But he said, there's a lot more going on here. I'm talking about everlasting. I'm talking about heaven and hell. I'm talking about the line that divides people from here to eternity. That's what I'm talking about. You can imagine Jesus was a man of passion and conviction. You can imagine he's, he's talking to him. He's like, man, alive. I see every one of your hearts, and all it is for you, it's for you, it's for you, it's for you. Adam was teaching in Sunday school this morning, and he was talking about how the disciples went into town in John chapter 4 to get meat. And Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of the one that sent me. Did you notice he said that you labor, you put the effort, your desire, your focus, your heart. is not about anything eternal, but what you get out of it. And notice how Jesus gets deep with this, all right? And this is sometimes, and I'm just being honest, okay? I'm, I'm just being so real. I, I believe we're living in the last days of seeing the, the craziness and the things going on. This next election is going to be crazy. The things that are being attacked and changed and threatened by us, the church will not be quiet. At least Fellowship Baptist Church will not be quiet on what's right and wrong. No, sir, no way. No way. We're going to do what's right and stand up for what's right. It doesn't matter what comes down there and what opposition comes. And I tell you, we have got to get to the place where when God says it's no longer, and I, I love preaching the message, here's three ways to improve your life, or here's ways to improve your marriage, and this is how to be a better dad. All of that is great. But sometimes when we get into certain subjects and we start going deeper into things, people begin to back out of it. Just being honest. I'll be honest and transparent. Here, here. Here's one of the things that we have to look at and wonder why. It's a historical statistic of Fellowship Baptist Church. And I've said this before. We have Mission Sundays and we always take a dip in our attendance. It doesn't matter when we schedule it. We take a dip in our attendance. I'm not, I'm not trying to scorn anybody, but I'm just telling you the hardcore facts. It's almost like, and I, I can't even figure it out. It's like, it's one of those things when we get into the heart of Jesus and what it takes and take up your cross and follow Jesus and all of a sudden people are like, hey, what about the message about helping me? Just being real. I, I, I love the whole thing about making me feel good and I love going out to the car and sitting there and telling my husband, saying, oh, I just feel so good for being in church and you should feel good because the gospel is rich and real and powerful but there's more to it than the bread. Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but the Father giveth you true bread from heaven. Do you know what Jesus was talking about? He was talking about himself. He was talking about giving you something in your belly that's going to last beyond the grave. He was talking about something that would change people's lives. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. 
Speaking of salvation, and I'm telling you, when you start talking about the cross and sacrifice and all these things, you can imagine these people, are, as they were rubbing their bellies looking for the food, they're just doing this number. They go, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's, you know, and, and I'm not just joking when I say that. Watch, watch what's happened. Uh, that, that, that he's, this deep teaching, this, this shock, this self-sacrifice, it's not about the bread and it's not about making you feel good. When he said this, and I don't think it's ironic or coincidence that John chapter 6, verse 66, which is the number of man, says this, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And Jesus said in the 12, will you also go away? I'm, I'm just being real today. It's easy to draw a crowd. Just keep making people feel good. Keep, keep entertaining and keep handing out and doing this thing. And I'm not saying that we're not going to be a church that meets needs and helps people and things. But I'm telling you what Jesus was truly talking about when he got down to the hardcore things about ministry. Remember, God's love changes us. I, I had a whole message about that. He is in us, and we are in God, and God's love changes us. And I thought about what would it be like if I could have, or somebody could go back as this crowd was leaving, and then notice the word that it says in there, many of them. Did you notice that? Many of them. We could sit there and say, what would it take to reach the world? Well, we have three missionary families right now that are willing to go around this world, California, Spain, and Thailand, to reach the world. And if, if there was hundreds of more going and doing, you say, man, we would reach the world in no time. But the problem is when we get down to the cost of discipleship and the cost of the ministry, when we hear that, there's a huge exit going, okie dokie. You know, it's like, I didn't come here for that. I, I thought if I was to go up and just interview those guys as they're leaving, hey, 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 where are you guys all going? Jesus is that way. Oh, we know. Yeah. He's got no bread today. Nothing. Not cookies. No, nothing today. Rip off. How many people get out of churches and say, I went to that church and I'll be honest, it's just they started talking about missions and making me feel bad about people going to hell. I just don't need that in my life. We've got to grow up and be Christians. I love you guys, but I'm not going to sit here and water this down whatsoever. You want to know why so many people go through life so unfulfilled? Because you are not doing what fills you. Nothing in this world is ever going to fill you because you can have the bread, you can have the entertainment, you can have the fun, and we sacrifice for all those things every single day, but I promise you those things come and go and leave you empty. God was saying in this passage, he was bringing them to a line, and I, and I thought, driven by love, man, what a theme, but I'll tell you, I'm bringing you guys to a decision point, okay? So I'm, 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 I'm going to mix things up today and make this as real as I can. Of what God was doing with this. I love preaching with visuals. And I want you guys to see this decision point of what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about this timeline. If you can look at this. What Jesus was about to do next. And brought you through the miracles. And what he did. And the people that he met. And stuff like that. But something was about to change our lives forever. Something was about to change your life forever. It was the cross. Now you sit there and think about that decision to make. you got to make thing that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. His mission was the cross. That was, that was from the very beginning. But something that baffles us in our mind is when Jesus came to the garden. You know what was on the other side of the garden? It was Calvary. The scourging. The crown of thorns. 
All of that was on the backside of, uh, of the garden. And, and we know that Jesus, in humanity, knowing that he was going to have to face something that was completely out of his comfort zone, taking on the sin of mankind when he was holy and righteous and perfect and flawless, to the point where even his father had to turn his back on him, where he says, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? We don't understand that. It's because sin was laid on the, on the flawless lamb of God. You're talking about getting out of your comfort zone. You're talking about getting where it's uncomfortable. Jesus was in agony in the garden, not because he did not love us. He loved us so much that he came to us. But in that, he said, Father, let this cup pass from me. Let the wrath of God pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You talk about a prayer of a decision. Now, let me tell you that decision point right there. Man, if I was to draw a line and say, man, this is the garden. That's that, that, that line that God brings us to. On the other side, when he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done, this was the will of God right here. That was the will of God, and thank God for it. Sometimes we've lost sight of what the cross means and what God did for us on the cross. Let me tell you, when we sing about the blood of Jesus Christ and the cross of Calvary and everything that he did, there should be smiles in every one of our faces. We should be praising God. We should be glorifying God. Sometimes we mumble through it. It means you've lost vision of what God did for us. You realize that if Jesus didn't die on the cross and he said, my will, my will, my will is for this cup, and all God did was pass out bread and do good deeds, on this side of this timeline, we'd all be going straight to hell. That's the reality we all would go to hell if he didn't pray the prayer, not my will, but thine be done. It was a decision. It was, it was cross the line. And on the other side, I'll tell you what, we have victory in Jesus. We celebrate what he has done for us. We celebrate the fact that we don't have to die that way. And you say, what, what was the dividing point? Let me, let me just point it out. Do you realize that everything that he was talking about in 1 John 3.16, not John 3.16, 1 John 3.16, when he was talking about that, hereby this prayer we perceive the love of God that he laid down his life for us. How did the world know that, we, we, that God loves them? You know, it was all wrapped up into one thing by the cross. Let's stop and think about what is the cross? What is the cross? Sit there and say it's a torture device. Yeah, that's true. It actually was. See, what was the cross? The cross is where Jesus gave of himself to meet my greatest need. Think about it like that. The cross is where Jesus gave of himself his purity, his righteousness. He laid down his life. The cross is where Jesus, my, my greatest need, on the backside of the cross, I am set free because he met my need here. Let me put the cross another way. The cross is sacrifice. He gave of himself willingly, freely. He laid down his life. When the Bible talks about the cross, it was where Jesus sacrificed of himself. He gave what he had to me so that I could have what's left on the other side of the cross. That's what he did. Sacrifice is the act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else that's worthy being sacrificed for. Because of this, 
Jesus led in John 15 towards the end of it when he's talking about love and doing everything that he did and passing out the love of God and how he showed the love of God. He said this in John 15, 13. He says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lays down his life for his friends. When it gets into what we're talking about, truly loving the world, truly being a church or a Christian that loves the world that truly does all these things. We sit there and say, we just love our city. We've got the t-shirts. We have the slogan. We have the banners. We have all that stuff. God said, let me tell you this. There is no greater love. There's no greater expression of love. There's no, there's no words or anything. He said, it's all wrapped into this. He said, it's when a man will lay down his life for his friends. And I'm going to say, for our culture today, we struggle with that immensely, more, more than we did even 10 years ago. See, I, I thought about starting over with this, with the fact of what God's called us to, because we get so caught up in the blessings of this as well. And the Bible says, when he calls us to this, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That, that, that's where God is saying for ministry today. You say, God's not calling me, Pastor Tony, to lay myself. And you're absolutely right. God's not. God's calling our lives to symbolize sacrifice every single day. He said, you realize that every single one of you is called to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is an outlandish thing to ask from us. Oh, no, let me read it again. Which is your reasonable service? He said, that's, do you understand that's what you do? For every single Christian, you understand that that is what you do. God brings us to this point. Now, I'm not trying to switch gears. I, 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 I just, God put this on my heart where in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, and it's what Pastor Chris was reading just a minute ago. And when he had called the people unto him, his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, we're all like, woohoo, yes, yes. We're all here because we're going after you. Let him deny himself. It's like, what? Oh, hey, what? Take up his cross and follow me. This is where it gets real. For us as a church today, this is our decision point. This, this is where God brings us. And you talk about, hey, let's reach the world. And God says, well, wait a minute. Before you talk about reaching the world and reaching Columbus and reaching your family, before you talk about revival, before you talk about the, 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 the power of God, all those other things, praise God for that. But you've got to understand, if you're going to come after me and you want what I have and you want to give what I have, he said, this is what I need from my disciples, my followers of Christ. God brings us to a decision point in our life, and he says, stop right here. Just like God and, and Jesus in the garden, we come to that point. And he says in that passage, he says, if any man comes after him, the first thing that he says is deny thyself. Deny thyself. Do you realize this is a choice of surrender? There's two things that he mentions here. It is a choice of surrender. Denying self is not easy in our culture today because we have become so self-absorbed. We have become so much about pleasing us that we are constantly looking for ways to make our lives better, make my life better, make my life better. We can order pizza on the phone for years, and that was like cool. 
We can now order McDonald's on our phones and have it delivered to us, and then we complain about how long it took them to get me my McDouble. In every aspect of it, when we sit there and the new iPhone comes out, and I'm not dogging anybody, I, I, I've got the Galaxy S whatever, I, I understand, we try to, but here it is, we will stand in our, our culture, our, our generation will go out in front of a store and pop up a tent and sleep there on the ground. Do you know why? So they can be the first one in line to get a phone that did the same thing that their last phone did and makes phone calls, but you can take a picture like this instead of like this. And we will shell out thousands of dollars for our data plans and all this other things. We are so self-absorbed when it comes to our culture. And then all of a sudden we find out, well, we we could pick up more kids. And we could reach more people. We could do this and say, oh, what time would I have to get out of bed? Oh, I I mean, it's like cable went up, honey. Well, we've got to have it. Internet went up. Well, honey, we've got to have it. Starbucks went up. Well, honey, we have to have it. You know, oh, Charlie's and the ball games and all these other things. Let me, let me just do the visual like this. This is, a, this is us following after Jesus right here. It's like, this, this is it. God is so good. It's the first time I've ever sang in church as a solo. And we're like, hey, Jesus is good. You need to come to my church. I, I love God. I, I love being, I love what God does. It's, God is so good. I, I, we, we have a burden in our church that we're going to reach the world. We want to see the world turned upside down. We want to send these missionaries out. Man, I'm so excited about what you guys are doing. It's awesome. Thank you for sacrificing. Jesus sacrificed. You guys are like, Jesus, you guys are awesome. You sacrifice. You give of yourself. It's like all this. And then Jesus comes here and says, you want to change the world? Oh, yes. Well, you, you, you have to take up your cross. You know the first thing that he said I have to do to take up my cross I have to deny myself. Do you know how hard it would be for me to carry that cross and carry my bread at the same time? You ever tried to do that? Where you have everything in your hand and you're trying to balance? You say you can't do it. God said, hey, the very first thing you've got to do, Tony, is you've got to lay aside what you want, just like with God or Jesus in the garden. He said, not my will, but thine be done. He was literally getting to the point where he was setting aside what he wanted for the sake of what God wanted. And a lot of times you can't embrace, and you're sitting there, it just doesn't fit in my schedule. I can't. It doesn't fit in my budget. I, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. God said you can. You just won't let go of what you want. Most of you know my story. I am pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church with a Bible college degree. I didn't start off that way. I went to college surrendering with whatever God wanted me to do, which God was calling me into ministry. So you know what you do in that position when God calls you into ministry and you're going to do whatever he calls you to do? You go to college for computer science. (laughs) That's what I did. You asked me why. I told my family. I said, well, I'll serve God, but I need to make money. And I'm not going to struggle the rest of my life. And I've seen the people in ministry. I know how that goes and things like that. So I come to the cross just like this. And God says, you want to preach? I do. God says, it's not going to work that way. You've got to lay aside what you want in life. And I tell you, in our culture that keeps being me, 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 we see this even in church. It's like, what is the church doing for me and how you make me feel? And I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel noticed. I didn't feel, I didn't feel, I didn't feel, I didn't feel. feel. We're so self-absorbed about us. 
when God said, lift up your eyes for the harvest. Put your eyes upon Jesus. Jesus said this, he says, you must decrease so that he can increase. That goes against everything inside of me because the next thing he's talking about is the choice to surrender, it's the choice to sacrifice. Take up his cross. Now remember, what did the cross mean? The cross means giving of what you have for the sake of others. Jesus came of his righteousness, died and gave his life so that I could live. You know what Christ is asking us to do? He's not asking us to die for anybody's sin. You can't die for anybody's sin. He's asking you to give of what you have. So that others can be set free. Do you understand that that is my life? And you say, well, that doesn't fit into my life. Then your life is wrong. Can I read a verse? And the same thing as he goes in. He says in the same passage, the next verse. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, for the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? God says, you're missing out. Let me close with this. You are missing out. Because God said the, the, the revival and the joy and the family and everything is not about, this is, this is how we're trying to survive in our culture today. It's like, Man, life is hard and all this. And God has so much for us. God is so good. God is so faithful. Give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. We sit there and say, man, I want that so bad. And whatever it is, is our time and our talents and our efforts and our kids. And God calls our kids into ministry and God calls them to do whatever. And God says, I want you to go to California or Thailand or Spain or whatever it is. And we sit there and talk them out of it. Or God calls you to go on a mission trip, but you're so planned out about what you want to do with your vacation that you can't give up anything. Or God calls us to give to missions and we won't let go of anything. We wonder why. Can I show you that last verse that he tied into this? Just being real since we're all being real. And, so, and I know this one of the things It's like, we're going to walk out of this church service going, I just don't feel good about that preacher. He didn't make me feel all shiny and special and all this other. I'm not trying to. You see anything shiny and special about that? But let me tell you, when Jesus saw it, he said, for the joy that is set before me, I endured the cross. I don't regret one day of giving up computer science to serve Jesus Christ with my life. Not one day. And I promise you, whatever... God calls you to do and go. And I tell you, in this church today, there are people that God is calling to be the next ones to go to Thailand. God is calling you to be the next one to go plant a church. God is calling you out of your comfort zone. But you know what the key was that is? You said, how did Jesus do it? Oh, we miss this so much. You know what it was? Father, Father, not my will. It's a relationship with God. So that I won't let go. God says, you won't ever let go if it's not me working through you. He was there to please the Father because the Father was worthy of everything that he gave. And he that taketh not his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Your life is a waste without living sacrificially. Do you hear me? I'm not being mean, being real. 
telling you the key to Christianity, telling you the key to truly showing love. He said, your life adds up to nothing. Your worship, your attendance, your days, all the things that we do without you giving of yourself for the sake of the ministry of the gospel, the sake of teaching and preaching and getting it out. Because I tell you, the only reason, the reason that I live and breathe, walk and talk on the face of this planet today is for the glory of my God. And God said, if you skip the cross and you stand there holding on to all the blessings and you're not willing to give anything of yourself, he said, I'll just put it like this. You are not worthy of me. Heads bowed and eyes closed. It's, I'm looking for the first step today. I, I am. I'm looking for the first step today. I'm looking for those that will literally go to the altar today and say to your heart, God, not my will. You say, I don't even know what that means. God does. God has it all planned out. God is waiting for you to say, not my will. Whatever you want. God, I let it go just like Abraham laid Isaac on the altar. God, I love this. I love what I do. I love where I'm at. But my kids, my money, my job, my future, it's all yours. I take my hands off of it. Now, God will never leave you hanging, but I promise you, there are people here today that God is pricking your heart for ministry. God is pricking your heart to step out and say, if God wants me to go overseas, I'll go overseas. If God wants me to go across the country, it's not just a missionary going. We are all missionaries. The only thing that separates us from anybody else is the surrenderedness of your heart today.